0: Over the next several weeks going to be talking about uh, our church and the, and the future of our church and what God has in store uh, Brother George and I were able to go to the Master's Men retreat um, this past week uh, Friday or Thursday and Friday and yesterday and um, we had a great time and uh, we're blessed and uh, some good preaching and good singing and good fellowship and uh, So uh, enjoy that time. And I hope uh, you'll make plans to go with us next year. Um, It'll be um, in South Mississippi. What's that camp called, Brother George? South Mississippi. Oh, South Mississippi. It'll be at South Mississippi Camp next year near Waynesboro. So uh, looking forward to that uh, as well. And uh, so thankful to be able to fellowship with some other uh, men, meet some uh, new brothers uh, in Christ. Uh, that i 've not met uh, before, and uh, so that was good, and you know it 's so good to be a part of the body of Christ and saying that song, I say that i 'm glad, uh, and we sang that song, but some of you your face don 't know you 're glad because uh, you 're frowny and singing it, uh, but we should be glad uh, that God is with us, and regardless of whatever we go through in life. He goes through it with us. And uh, that is, that's good news. Um, and so um, and i was thankful that uh, the Lord sent Leslie and I here to, to our church. And uh, we believe we have a great church. Uh, and we believe God sent us here. and We believe that God has a plan for this church and God has a purpose for this church. And if God has a purpose for this church, guess what that means? It means God has a purpose for each of you, too. Because you really are the church. This building is a meeting place, and I'm thankful for it. Uh, We're comfortable, and we can come and uh, have a nice place to worship, and a good sound system so you all can hear me. Um, And so uh, we really are very blessed. And... uh, You know, sometimes we wonder, though, uh, and it's in the life of the church as well as in our Christian life. There's times when it seems like we take one step forward, and something happens, and we are back two steps. Well, you know, if you're going one forward and two backwards, what direction are you going? You're going backwards, even though you occasionally you'll take one step forward. If you take enough step backward, you're going to fall off a cliff. Uh, And so what keeps us from uh, getting lost and um, defeated as God's people? And I think the answer is this, knowing whose we are. Knowing that we are God's children. And that God has a plan for you. That plan may not line up with your plan. And in fact, a lot of times it doesn't. And that's why there's trouble sometimes for us in the Christian life. It's because we are bent toward preferring our own plan. And can I tell you what? Your plan, most of the time, is not the best plan. But God's plan always, 100% of the time, is the best plan. I saw a meme the other day on Facebook, a picture, if you don't know what a meme is, it's a little graphic thing that folks post on Facebook. And uh, on the top there was a a little graph, uh, and it says, my plan for God, you know, serving God. And it's got like this, and it starts with the fella down here, and it's just... uh, kind of the straight, easy, coasting line up to heaven. Most of us, that's what the idea, we think that's what the Christian life should be. But then the bottom one is God's plan, and this is how it goes. Up and down, and there's some twists and some turns and some steep hills and some valleys. And that's how life usually happens to all of us. It's usually not smooth sailing all the time. Thankfully, it's not roller coaster all the time, but it's not smooth sailing either most of the time. Uh, and so we have times of both. And to get through both those roller coaster times and the easy, ta- gentle times, we have to know what the vision is. And the vision uh, is so important, and uh, Jesus. Uh, in Matthew chapter 16, uh, verses 13 through 18, we're going to look at the, We're going to look at several different scriptures, a lot of scripture this morning. Um, but we're starting in Matthew chapter 16. Uh, it may, uh, and in verse 13, it says, Jesus came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied to him, blessed are you, uh, Simon uh, Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so Jesus had been traveling by the time we get to Matthew chapter 16 with the disciples for a pretty good while, several months. And as they're on their way to Caesarea Philippi, he turns to them and he, he asks some questions. That's what Jesus does a lot. Not because he didn't know the answer, but because he wanted to start a conversation. And so he asked the question, who do the people say that I am? And they gave a lot of different answers. But then he got a little bit more directive and to the point. He said, who do you say that I am? And it was Simon Peter that spoke up. And he said, you are the Christ. You are the one that God promised to send to deliver us. Jesus said, Simon, you are blessed. And he says, your name, he said, I'm going to call you Peter, which Peter is uh it's Petros it is Greek and it means rock. So, say, so he's not saying, as our Catholic friends say, that you know, Peter's gonna be the first pope and you know, it's gonna be this long line of popes. That's not what he's saying getting at. What he's saying is Peter upon the truth that you have spoken. And the truth that God has revealed to you, you didn't figure out, you didn't figure it out yourself, but God has revealed it to you. He said, "I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it." You. you may be interested to know in the four gospels, the word church is only used two times. Uh, It's used in two different uh, places. It's used here in Matthew chapter 16, and the other time it's used twice in Matthew chapter 18, again by Jesus. It's interesting to me, it may not be to you, but it, it is to me. But when we get to the book of Acts, after Jesus has gone to heaven, boy, from Acts on, you see the word church a lot of times in the New Testament. Well over a hundred. And so the church is mighty important. And so we need to understand and answer that before we do anything else, we've got to ask this fundamental question, who are we? And who we are is determined by who we say Jesus is. We need to understand that the church is those that are saved. The church is made up of the people of God, those that have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so he says that's the starting place. But then right before he ascends to heaven for the last time, before he comes back a second time, which he's going to, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, you probably know this verse, it says, But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Well, what does that have to do with vision? Well, we need to understand whose we are before we can talk about what God has for us. We have to know that we belong to God. And the church is not ours, it's God's. And though we oftentimes like to think and we behave like we're the head of the church, Scripture says, no, you're not the head of the church. And by the way, it doesn't say the pastor is the head of the church either. It also says the deacon is not the head of the church. It also says it's not who gives the most money or who's been around the longest that's the head of the church. Who's in charge and who's the head of the church? It's Jesus Christ. He's the Lord of the church. And if he's the Lord of the church, guess what? He's the one that sets the vision. And I think he shares with us in his last words that we have recorded for us uh, before he ascends to heaven in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, what his vision for us is. His vision is for us to be witnesses. And you know what? For us to be witnesses, there's something we have to do. We have to have something to tell about. It doesn't do any good to witness, and, and even though there are a lot of people today that like talking, they, it's evident they don't know what on earth they're talking about. But that doesn't stop them from talking. should, but it doesn't. But if you're going to be a witness in court, you've got to swear to tell the truth and the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help you God... And when you're asked questions, you're asked questions because you're supposed to know the answer. Because you've seen something. Or you are part of something. And so Jesus says, listen, you are going to be the church. You're going to be my people. And I'm going to use you to change the world. Not just this local community, and not just certain select folks. They say you're going to be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, <coughs> excuse me, in all of Samaria, and to the end of the earth. Well, how do we accomplish it? You see, when we can remember whose we are, <coughs> that we're not we're not our own. Uh, Month or two ago, we finished up preaching through the book of 2 Corinthians, and uh, one of the big points Paul was trying to make in that letter was that listen, you need to understand and remember you're not your own, you've been bought with a price, and that price was something you couldn't pay, it was something you owed, you had a debt. But you couldn't pay it. And so a man named Jesus came to earth and he laid his life down and shed his innocent blood to pay your sin debt. At the retreat I made this comment and I'll make it to you again uh, as well that Jesus didn't just save us from sin. Jesus saved us for something as well. And so I think that as we think about what's the vision, as we understand and we try to figure out what is it that God has for us, what is it that God has for me? I think that's a question that all of us ask. And all of us at times get off track and we feel discouraged, and usually when we're discouraged and we get off track, it's not because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing. It's because we forget and we get off course. Kind of like when uh, Kay sends Brother George uh, to the grocery store uh, to get some bread and Brother George takes the wrong turn and ends up at Bass Pro Shop. And he goes around and says, man, it's taking him a long time to get that bread. And Brother George is at that Bass Pro Shop, and if you know Brother George, you know he likes fish. And he likes to hunt. And so everything that that big, huge Bass Pro Shop is filled with, Brother George likes. And so he likes to look at it. And if he's not, he can get lost in that store, just looking, and an entire day is gone. And then all of a sudden his cell phone rings. And it's Miss Kane. She says, where on earth are you? And then he remembers, oh, wait a minute. I'm not supposed to be at Best Pro Shop. I'm supposed to be getting braids. Oh, I, I'm, I'm heading to the store. I had to make a stop. I had to make a stop. But I'm... And then he gets back on course. He goes, gets the bread, and gets home. Well, in our Christian life, we get off course very easily. There's so much in this world that's pulling at us, trying to pull us away from the Lord. And if we are not careful and if we're not constantly reminding ourselves whose we are and what we're made for, we get off track. And so a lot of times when we feel lost and we're spinning around, we're wondering, God, what on earth are you doing? What am I supposed to do? In all sincerity, it's not because we don't know what we're supposed to be doing or where we're supposed to be going. It's because we've gotten off course. And we're somewhere where we're not supposed to be, and we're doing something we're not supposed to be doing. Not necessarily something bad, but something that is not what we're supposed to be doing. And so what is it? Does Scripture tell us what we're supposed to be doing? And how are these effective witnesses? You maybe have heard it said this way, that we're the light. The Old Testament especially uses the, the image of light as a picture for God's people. And the nation of Israel was supposed to be a light to the rest of the world of God's love and grace. And you probably sung that little camp song, This Little Light of Mine. I'm going to let it shine. Hide it under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine. And God does intend. That's what God expects for us to do. But how do we do that? I'm glad you asked. Because I think there's three things that we need to do. And I think there's three things that as we understand that we are God's people and that God has a plan for us. And that plan is to accomplish His will for us, not our own. But his, there's three things that help us to do that and not get off kilter, and the first is this: that we determine that we are to be a people that are growing together. You know that things that are alive and things that are healthy grow. That does not necessarily mean that every uh, church that has a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand people is a healthy church. A lot of them aren't. Some are. But a lot of them are not. So it's not the numerical growth that he's talking about, and uh, but rather I want to suggest to us that it's our spiritual growth and our deepening in our relationship with Christ. Because if you're not growing in your walk with Christ, how on earth can You possibly expect anybody else to be growing. And how else can you expect anybody that's lost to come to know Jesus if you don't know him yourself? In Acts chapter 2, in verses 40 through 47, uh, we find the early church. Peter, on the day of Pentecost, has preached this great sermon. and um, We pick up in verse 40. It says that with many other words he testified and exhorted them, (coughs) excuse me, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayer. And fear came upon every soul, and wonders and signs were done through the apostles'. And now all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple in the breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. We need to understand that God intends for the church to see people saved. And it's God's intention for the church to be praying for that. And not just praying for it, but putting legs to our prayers. And speaking up and sharing the gospel because just like you didn't figure out salvation by yourself, somebody told you, whether it was a preacher or a friend or a parent or whoever it might have been, somebody told you the gospel that simply is this, that you're a sinner and that you deserve to spend eternity in hell, but God loves you so much that he paid your price so that you could have eternal life. That's simply all the gospel is. He says if we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. He didn't say if we, call upon the, if we believe and we call upon the Lord and we're baptized and we join a church and we give some money and we do some good stuff, we'll be saved, does it? He said, "If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life, you're saved. You will be saved." That's how salvation comes is by faith. We have to first believe that we're lost. And sometimes that's the hardest part, is getting people to understand that they're lost. And so we can't lead somebody to someplace we've not been before. But it wasn't just that the people got saved. They got baptized. And it wasn't just that they got saved and they got baptized. Two important things. The book of Acts tells us that they continued every day gathering together and they prayed and they worshipped and they celebrated the Lord's Supper. They lived life together. In other words, they grew together. They grew in holiness and they grew in their knowledge of the Lord. I tell you, you can learn some things on your own, but all of us learn a lot better in groups because we learn best from other people. And so... Listen, God's vision, and God, in order for us to remember whose we are and what we're supposed to be doing, we've got to be growing closer and closer and closer to the Lord every day. And the reality is that it doesn't matter how many days you've served you, this side of heaven, you've not arrived. And if you're still here, it's because God has things to show you and things for you to do. And as long as we're keeping our focus on that, we're remembering that we belong to Jesus. We don't belong to this world. We don't even belong to ourselves. We belong to God. And He has told us He has a purpose for us. But also, secondly, God said, you know what, if you're going to be my church and you're going to be the child of God that I created you to be, and collectively, because the church is made up of individuals, who are saved, and when we come together, we make up the church. He said, not only do you need to be growing together, you're going to be a place where people are growing together. He said, secondly, you're going to be a place where people are serving together. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, set about a great example, and perhaps the greatest example of service is in the Gospel of John in chapter 13. Verse 12, it says, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, for I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet, for I have given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master nor a messenger, Uh, greater than uh, the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. So Jesus is saying, you understand that as I washed your feet, and we as free will Baptists believe that that was an important and intentional thing that Jesus did, it reminds us not only of our continual need for repentance and renewal, but it also reminds us that God didn't call us to be lords. He called us to be servants. And he set the example of service himself. He sought to, to help others. And so God says, that's what my body is to be about. If we're God's people, we're serving others. Not only are we growing, but we're serving Take a look with me in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. He said, He gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastor-teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying or the building up of the body of Christ, until we all come to the unity of faith and of um, the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about with every doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting. But speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ, from whom the whole body is joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So God wants us to understand church, and and part of what God has for our church is this understanding of this important truth that God has placed us here at 2412 Upper Drive on purpose. And part of that purpose is to serve the community that God put us in. To make a difference here. And we don't do just one person do it. Paul says, listen, God gave some apostles and some evangelists, some pastor teachers, that the people of God would be trained for the work of ministry. So it's pastors, evangelists, and uh, they're, they're to be doing ministry, but they're not to be doing it by themselves. And I tell you that we are healthy and we're the church that God desires for us to be when we are serving together. When we see something that needs to be done, and we do it. The reality is, in a small church, but in actually any church, it's not, there's no church that's run just by one person. It takes all of us working together. To build the body of Christ. God desires for all of us to grow, and we grow part of growing is by serving. To to grow in in our walk with the Lord, we serve others. We have that mindset. We want to be a blessing. And part of the the vision of our church and what God wants to accomplish is for our church to serve this community. And to be an important part of this community. So that this church would notice if we weren't here. There are a lot of churches across the country that close every day in America. There's, you know, every hundreds of churches close. And the reality is, most of the communities don't even notice. And that's not how it should be. The church is a place where people are serving together. And God has called you, every one of you, to serve Him together in this place. Just like this church is not here by accident, you are not here by accident. You say, well, 45 years ago, preacher, I did my dues. I drove the van, and I brought kids to church. I did that. Well, here's the thing. That's wonderful. And we celebrate that, but guess what? There's no such thing as a retirement plan in the kingdom of God. There's promotion. There's promotion. But the promotion is you're dead you're in this life and you go on to the next one. And so as long as you're alive, God has stuff for you to do. Now it may be different stuff because as we grow older, we can't do the stuff that we used to do when we were younger. You could 45 years ago jump in that church van or that bus and you know, drive it. Now... Your legs and hips are so you can't even get up in the van. But that doesn't mean that God is done with you. There's always things that God has for us to do. And thankfully, what God has for me to do is different than what God has for you to do. And the next person. God has something only we individually can accomplish. God has given us certain gifts and certain abilities that only we're good at. Just like an orchestra, it would be a horrible thing if it was just full of violins, or if it was all full of trumpets, or you put, pick whatever instruments you want to pick. But when you put all the, those instruments of an orchestra together, when they play together and they're in tune, They make beautiful, beautiful music. And that's the way it is when God's people serve together. That it's beautiful. And we we celebrate, hey, listen, I'm glad that everybody's not like me. And I'm glad everybody's not like you. There's diversity in the body of Christ, but we're called to serve together. And so a healthy church and the church that God wants for us to be is one that is serving together. And then lastly the church that God wants us to be and the people that God wants us to be is this, that God wants us to be a people that are reaching together. God intends for his people to be reaching others for him. In Matthew 28, 18 through 20, all of you probably know this great commandment, or great commission, rather. The great commission says this in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, and Jesus came and spoke to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I have commanded you, and, lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Jesus said, listen, I have the power and I have the control, so here's your marching orders. Go and build a great church. Is that what he said? Nope. Who, who did he say? We've already told you today. If you're listening, who builds the church? Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail again. So what has he called his people to do? He said, I want you to go and make disciples. And guess what? In order for you to make disciples, you've got to be one. Just like apple trees cannot produce oranges. The only thing it produces is apples. So Jesus says, I want you to be a disciple. I want you to follow me. And remember, that's the call. And we begin that call with answering the call to salvation. But we need to understand, church, that our call to serve and grow does not end at salvation. That's only the beginning. That God has so much more for us to do and accomplish not for the sake of saying, hey, look what a great big church we've built. Or look at all the things I've done. Or look at how much money I've given to the church. Or look at this or look at that that I've done. Because when we're growing and we're serving and we're reaching together and we're remembering that we are the church that God has called us to be, it's not us that gets the glory. It's the head of the church, Jesus Christ. And so I have to say, listen. God allowed me to give X amount. God allowed me to get, uh, do such and such. God allowed me to climb up in that van and drive it. God allowed me to fix that toilet. Wash off the side. Teach that Sunday school class. God has work for us to do. And I tell you that part of that work is reproducing ourselves. You know, healthy cells in your body reproduce. And the reason they have to reproduce is because cells in your body, not only are they constantly reproducing, there are cells in your body that are constantly dying. And so if they're not constantly reproducing before long, you're going to be in trouble. And guess what? The reality is if we don't reproduce, and we don't reach new people and let people know that God loves them just like he loves us, one day God's going to call for us and we're not going to be here anymore. If God calls us and we're not going to be here anymore, but we have failed to reach new folks, what's going to happen? There's going to be a hole. And eventually, if there's enough holes, death happens, doesn't it? And I tell you, I don't think God's desire for his people is death. And why do I say that? Because God's people never really truly die. Now, God's people, when they leave this world, They go on to someplace so much better. And they live for eternity. But you know what you're doing in eternity? You're growing, and you're worshiping. Also, what we do is praise God in heaven, cast our crowns at His feet, we celebrate Him. And so we understand that God would have our church and and us as individuals that make up a church to be growing together and to be serving together. And I'm thankful that we have a lot of folks that do things in our church, and I'm thankful for you. But I also know we have folks that don't do a lot. Or maybe may be people that do stuff, but it's not what God's called them to do. And if you're doing something God had not called you to do, you're miserable. And God doesn't want you to be miserable. He wants your joy to be full. And the answer to that is not say, well, I'm just going to leave church and go and play golf and head to the casino in Vicksburg uh, on Sunday instead of going to church. The answer is saying, God, where do you want me to be? That I, help, help me find that place. That you've created me to be and gifted me to be so that I can be useful for your kingdom. Because can I tell you, when you're happiest as a child of God, if you're saved today, the time that you're happiest is when you are exactly where God wants you to be. And you are most miserable when you're where God does not want you to be. The thing is, when you find yourself not where God wants you to be, it's not because he sent you there. And it's not because he left you. It's because you got off track and wandered away. And why did you do that? Because you forgot who you belonged to. And you forgot what your purpose was. You forgot that your purpose was not to make a bunch of money. Your purpose is not to be comfortable. Your purpose is to know God and make Him known. And that's what God has for our church. And so over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about some more ways of how that's unpacked and how we do that. But this is something that's true for our church and for every Christian. God intends for you, if you're a child of God, to be growing. And He intends for you to be serving. And He intends for you to be reaching. There's people in your life that you can reach with the gospel of Jesus that I can't. And nobody else can either. But if you're not reached first, you certainly can't reach out. But here's what... And here's the thing about all these things. We know what God has for us. and We know what God's desire is. But here's the thing. All three of these things, we have the ability to choose whether we're going to do it or whether we're not going to do it. say, you know what, I don't want to grow. I don't care. I'm fine just the way I am, thank you. I've had enough of Jesus. May we never get to the place as an individual or as a church where we say, hey, Jesus, we've had enough. We don't want no more of you we constantly remind ourselves, you know what, as much as we have of Jesus and how he's blessed us, we need him more and more and more every day of our life. And our church needs him more and more. And I tell you that if you as a child of God and this church needs God more every day, and I tell you this lost world that is spinning out of control and to a devil's hell needs Jesus more than they ever have before. But God says, you know, if you don't want to grow, hey, that's okay. I won't make you. You say, God, I really don't want to serve you. Maybe I've served you in the past and I've done my due. I really don't want to do it anymore. God will say, okay. Now remember from Jonah's story, if you say that, and that's what Jonah said, Jonah ended up in the belly of a whale. And then he finally said, okay, Lord, I'll I'll do it. he'd say, you know what, I really don't want to reach people. I kind of like the people we have. As I mentioned a few weeks ago, there are 20,000 people that live within 10 minutes of our church. There's 100,000 that live within 15 minutes of our church. And the great majority of them do not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And I tell you that God has put us here at 2412 Upper Drive because there are 20,000 people in Pearl, Mississippi that need a gospel-preaching church. Now, there are some good preaching churches in Pearl. May I tell you something about any church in Pearl, there's not one of them that's full this morning. There's not one of them that had to turn people away and say, I'm sorry, we just don't have room for you. There is not one of them. I guarantee it. And there are many, many people out of those 20,000 or so people that live within a 10-minute drive of our church that need Jesus. And they're not going to hear them unless God's people go and reach them. And we're not going to reach them until we get a burden for them. So this morning, I hope you've seen my heart and I, think, I hope you've heard God's heart. God says, you remember who you are. If you want to know what God's vision for your life is, this is how you do it. You remember who you belong to. And you remember what God's told you to do. And do it. And God will take care of the rest. He always says, that's the way it works. He asks us to do things that we can't possibly do in our own strength and in our own abilities. And then guess what? He accomplishes it. Because he can. Because he's God. So our challenge is to listen. Do you you know Jesus as Lord and Savior? Not do you know about him. But do you know him as Lord and Savior? And the answer is, you know what, no, I don't. Today's a great day, and this is a great place and a great time to come to know him that way. you say, you know what, preacher? Yeah, I do know Jesus as Lord and Savior. Then God says to you, child of God, you remember, you belong to me. And I've given you a task. If we remember those two things, we'll arrive at what God has planned for us. We don't have to figure out the end result. We don't have to know how everything works out. We just have to know those two things. We have to know that we belong to God. And that he has saved us and he's the Lord of our life. And that he's given us a task to do. He's told us what he wants us to do. But he's left it up to us to do it or not do it. And so church, the choice is ours. So are we going to do it? And say, God, you know what? I really don't want to do it. the choices are. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we pray that you would help us to be a people that's faithful to you. And Lord, if there's one here in this auditorium or one watching on the internet that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, maybe they know about you. But Lord, they really don't know you as Lord and Savior, would you help them today to acknowledge their sin? To believe that you died on the cross of Calvary, shedding your innocent blood to pay their sin debt. And help them to confess that you are the Lord of their life by faith. Lord, for those here that do belong to you, and they're saved, and they're your children. God, maybe this has been an encouraging message, just a general reminder to us that we have to keep our eye on whose we are and what we're to be about. But maybe it's been a wake-up call and say, you know what, you've been slumbering, child of God, and you need to wake up. For time is coming to an end. And we need to be busy about doing what God has for us to do. God, help that individual to come to you and to make that decision. Lord, help us, we pray, to be your people. Help us to be your hands and feet to this community. Lord, we thank you for our church and pray you'd help it to grow. But Lord, we understand it will only grow as we, as we who make it up grow and as we serve and as we reach. And Lord, to do any of those things, we need you. Stand together and let's sing this old hymn, Only Trust Him. You know, that's how the only way we can be what God's created us to be is trusting in Him. And that trust doesn't stop on the day of salvation. It has to continue every single day of our life. You need to trust Him. Let's sing together.